really enjoyed last week talking about the language of the Holy Spirit. If you were not here, uh, we talked about tongues. The prayer language is not the Holy Spirit. It's the language of the Holy Spirit. And just because you haven't spoken in tongues yet doesn't mean you haven't received the Holy Spirit. It just means you haven't spoken in that language yet. The scripture is pretty plain. If you ask God to receive the Holy Spirit, he will give you the Holy Spirit. And one of the questions that came up, and I just want to real quick before we get started on tonight's, if you'll turn to Acts 8, let's go ahead and answer this at the beginning. One of the common questions that comes up is, is it a separate experience from when you get saved or born again, whatever wording, both are scriptural. Is it a separate experience? Do I get saved and then ask for the Holy Spirit? Yes. And there's a couple of great evidences in the scripture, and I'm going to give you two of them. One's in Acts chapter 8, and you can start in verse 14. We'll just kind of jump in the middle of the account here. It says, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. What had they done? They had received the word of God. They were believers. They sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we know that you don't get baptized until you're saved. And they had, they had been saved, they had been baptized, but they had not received the Holy Spirit yet. And so then he prayed that they would receive the Holy Spirit. And it says in verse 17, Then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And another account is in chapter 19, because I, I want to give you more than one. Chapter 19, hmm. Paul was going through the upper coast and came to Ephesus. Verse 1 says, And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So they've already, they're already believed. They're saved. They're born again. And he said, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Ghost. We haven't heard anything about this. And so he informs them, he said to them, uh, into what then were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues, and they prophesied, and there was about 12 of them. So that's just some of you I know were brought up that you receive the Holy Spirit uh, when you're saved. I believe you can receive it when you're saved, if you ask for it, but the Holy Spirit doesn't just move in. Uh, you, you ask for the Holy Spirit and we talked about that a little bit last week about him being a gentleman. I know some of you didn't get to be here last week when we talked about the prayer language. So I made a couple of sets of my notes. And James, I'm going to get some of these for you, for the guys. And I'll have some for the girls as well since you didn't get to be here. 
that really gives us scriptures on the prayer language. And if anybody else wants one, I can get you some ran off. But tonight, we want to talk about being led by the Spirit. Okay? You're either going to be led by the Spirit or you're going to be driven by the flesh. You're going to be led by the Spirit or you're going to be driven by the flesh. We now have another voice in our ear. You know, used to, when we, before we were filled with the Holy Spirit, even before we were saved, we were a spirit, a soul, and a body. But our spirit wasn't alive to God. We hadn't been born again, right? And so when we, I need, I'll get some girls. Give me three girls. Can I have three girls? My girls? <laughs> My friends? Come on I need three of you. You're so brave, I know. (laughs) Anything for me. We were a spirit, but we weren't yet born again. I would just say we were our spirit was dead. It was not connected to God. We we had a body and we had a soul. Our mind, our will, our emotions, our thought processes. Well, when the spirit was inactive, because we weren't born again yet, one of these is going to be leading. Either our body's going to be driving us or our feelings are going to be driving us. Either our flesh is going to be driving us or our, our thoughts are going to be driving us. Because this part just wasn't alive yet. We were hearing this voice and this voice. Those were the only options. And see, we get mad at the world. We get mad at people because they're driven by the flesh or they're driven by their feelings. But if there is no other voice, I don't know what we're expecting. I don't know what we're expecting. And so when we're born again and we're made alive spiritually, this spirit is supposed to tell the other two, the flesh... And the, are you good at telling them what to do? I, I think I may have stepped on something here. <laughs> then we tell the flesh, mm-mm, no. And we tell the mind, we're not going to think that. No, we're, we're not going to do that. So now we have this other voice. But when we're born again and then we're filled, I'm going to hold your hand, <laughs> and then we're filled with the Holy Spirit, oh, it gives us such a strength. We're, we're not walking through this alone. Now we have this other voice saying, speaking into us, no, no, this is the decision you need to make here. And it's the voice of God. It's the voice of God. And it gives us an extra, I don't know, y'all. We saw it in the scripture when we talked about it giving us boldness the first week we studied the Holy Spirit, about how it changed Peter. How it changed him from denying Christ to standing up to the crowd and being bold and walking in authority. That's because that spirit had been made alive and then the Holy Spirit, was, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, had a new evidence, he had another voice that he could trust and, and it just changed who he was. Thank you. I appreciate you. Um, it, it, it changed who he was. We now have another voice in our ear. And what we have to realize is God is speaking. God is speaking. He, he talks to you first and foremost, most reliably, right here. 
This is the word of truth. This is God's word to you. If you don't hear his voice any other way but then, but right here, it's a good day, Lori. Because everything we could need, everything that pertains to life and godliness has been promised to us in this book. We can get all the wisdom, the seed of the wisdom that we need in this book. And anything else that we hear has to line up with this. Because this is the truth. It can't go against this. But when we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we start praying in the Spirit like we talked about last week, we start, when I say hearing Thoughts will come to you that you know that was way smarter than me. Uh, That had to be God. Or that goes contrary to what I want to do. And I know it's a better choice. That had to be God. When I say I heard God say, it's a thought that comes, it rises up in me. And that's your spirit. And the Holy Spirit can direct you And he can give you, we talked about this I think a little bit last week, he can give you information that's hot off the press. You have an opportunity come in front of you, Holy Spirit can tell you yes or no. Deciding in what you're going to do career-wise or whatever and you can't make a decision, you can pray in the Spirit and an answer can come to you. And and I, I know you just have to do it to believe it. You just have to do it to believe it. I had a brother tonight tell me that he got filled with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. And he said, I thought the rest of y'all were crazy. But now we're not crazy. And so when I say you, you kind of have to experience it to know what I'm talking about, it's, it's just true. I, I've had miraculous, him drop, miraculous download, miraculous information to me before in business. And I know, I know Mark has experienced this in business as well. It's, it's wonderful. He cares about your daily life. That's what we've been studying, the Holy Spirit in daily life. Don't think this doesn't have anything to do. If it has to do with you, it has to do with God. You're his kid. What part of your kid's lives do you not care about? And so he wants to be that other voice in your ear. He is speaking. It's us learning to pay attention us putting ourselves in a position to hear. And when I was thinking about this today, it was a real simple thing that came to my mind. It's how God deals with me because I like it simple. He said, you know, you, sometimes you have to be quiet to listen. And therein lies a lot of our problem. Because we like noise. We're really uncomfortable with quiet. That's why we need quiet time before the Lord. We need to pray, we need to ask questions, and then we need to shut up. And we just need to listen and give him opportunity to speak. We can give him lots of, we give him opportunity to speak when we hear someone preach the word. We give him opportunity to speak when we read a book. We give him opportunity to speak when we listen to the right music. We give him opportunity to speak when we walk out in nature. There's lots of ways to give him opportunity to speak. We just need to make sure that we do. Uh, One of the greatest things that praying in the Spirit does that Jesus talked about, it's found in John 14, and Jesus is speaking, and he's talking about the comforter, which we talked about a little bit the first week. Uh, Verse 26 of John 14. And I really like this when you're, when you're needing answers and you're, you're needing to know what to do. This verse always comes to my mind. 
He said, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance that I've said to you. So when we, when we read the word, the teachings of Christ, and then when we're in a situation, we need the wisdom of God. You know what the Holy Spirit can bring back to you? What you've studied. He says, he'll bring all things to your remembrance that I've said to you. This is why it's important. People say, well, I don't understand the Bible. I try to read it and I don't understand it. First of all, look at some different versions. Find a a language, if you will, uh, a translation that, that you can understand better. And then once you've read it, you'll be really surprised if you'll ask God how he'll bring that a scripture to light to you just because you read it, even though you might not have understood it when you read it. But he says he'll teach you all things, and then he'll bring to remembrance the things that he's taught you. And so when you need information, Holy Spirit can bring you the information. Well, I can't remember where that was, if it was First Timothy or Second Timothy. The importance is the principle. Not that you can go in here and, and remember the, the chapter and verse, but that you know what he said. When you know what he said, Holy Spirit can bring that thing to remembrance to you. And I'm telling you, once we start functioning this way, our lives will start changing. Because we're asking. Because we're seeking. And a lot of times we try to change our lives without help. I, I, just, I just know that didn't work out too well for me. It just didn't. But we're, when we're empowered and we're led by the Holy Spirit, that means our steps are going to be ordered of the Lord. That means there's another voice now saying, do not take that step or take this step. And we need to pay attention and listen. We're going to spend a lot of time in Galatians 5 tonight. <clears throat> so if you'll turn there, because I want to I talk about being led by the Spirit and what that looks like. Galatians 5, it's all good. You can go and read all the way down, but we're going to start in verse 16 tonight. The NIV says it this way. So I say, live by the Spirit. The King James Version, I think, says walk. Walk by the Spirit. If you do, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Or The King James Version says the lust of the flesh. And y'all, that's not just talking about sexual lust. That's talking about the pressures of the flesh. We talked about you're either going to be led by the Spirit or you're going to be driven by the flesh. Because the flesh doesn't lead you, it pushes you. It drives you. But the Spirit of God says, come this way. Come this way. It's a gentle thing. And even though sometimes he may say it sternly to me, do not do what you're thinking. Do not say what you're thinking. Do not approach that conversation that way with that attitude. Even though it's stern, it's still a leading it's not a driving. It's not a pushing. It's a, it's a leading. 
So I say live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature or the lust of the flesh. And that literally means pressures, urges, strong desires of the flesh. I love what Rick Renner said. He's, he's one of my favorite Greek scholars. He said a person who has, this is like a person who's walked in a region for so long that it's now become his environment. We're supposed to walk in the Spirit daily so that it becomes our environment it's what's normal now and you know when you when you start fellowshipping with the holy spirit and you start praying in the spirit and you start living that life of seeking him then sin just doesn't fit you anymore it just doesn't fit you anymore it's not your environment anymore And you might still think about it, and you might still dabble in it, but it just is not your environment anymore. You're not comfortable there anymore. It just doesn't fit. He says, this this person that lives by the Spirit is like a person who's walked in one region for so long that it's now becoming his, his environment, his place of daily activity, the sphere that encircles his existence. It could be best explained by thinking of a person who has walked one path so habitually that he would be able to walk that path blindfolded because it is his path, it is his sphere, it is the place where he has habitually lived and functioned. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. And and Tanya and I have walked the same paths for 20-plus years together as walking partners. And I guarantee you, I don't want to try it, but I guarantee you in the dark, and we have done it quite often in the dark, that we know where things are on that path because we've walked those same two paths for 20-plus years, four or five days a week. And so I got, when, it, when I read this, it, it, I got it. I got it. I want it to be so my atmosphere and environment to listen for the Spirit that I want it to be comfortable and not like, oh my gosh, I think that was God. But my goodness, He is talking. He is speaking. I've just got to take the time to listen. This word, live in the Spirit, indicates to me that we... We develop and we grow in this. And so I don't want anybody to say, that is way far-fetched for me to think about living (laughs) in that sphere. That's not what we're used to. But if we're going to walk in the Spirit or live in the Spirit, it indicates to me there's going to be some growing in it. And But it needs to be a desire if we're going to do it. So verse 17 then says, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit. One, one writer said the flesh has a mind of its own. Flesh has, we, we looked at it up here a while ago. The soul has a mind of its own, has its desires. The flesh has its desires, and the spirit has its desires. And there is this little war going on. But you are spirit and you need to let your body know it you are spirit and you need to let your mind know it they they, so they're contrary 
to the sinful nature. What the Spirit did when she came alive up here is she offered a different choice than she had ever had before. Because before the flesh and the mind, the feelings, the emotions, the drives of the flesh just ruled because there wasn't another voice. But when you got born again, sin wasn't near as much fun. Why? Because now there's another voice going, no. Not because God doesn't want us to have fun, but because he wants us to live. To live the good life. And I don't know about y'all, but the Christian life is, is the good life. Not just eternally, but right down here, right now in this world. So the Spirit offers a choice. It goes on, it says, they are in conflict with each other. So that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Let's just think about that a minute. There's no need for the law of Moses or any other law if you're led by the Spirit. Because the Spirit will never lead us wrong. And, you know, we don't like for people to govern us. And if you don't like for people to govern you, you better be led by the Spirit. And actually, there is no threat about government or law when we're led by the Spirit. Because it's only there for when we're not being led by the Spirit. So y'all can, y'all can think on that. There's a lot that could be said there. But what got me was that to be led... I have to submit. See, driving something, when you're driving something, doesn't necessarily mean that you're submitting to it. But it's so, being driven by the flesh is so violent and so cruel that you can, you'll do things that you really don't want to do Because of the pressure of the flesh, the pressure of the emotions, the pressure of the thoughts. But if you are led by something, you have to submit. Now you can, if Johnny was here, I don't think Johnny's here tonight. I saw Jody. Johnny can can drive a horse into a pen. He can force it. But it's way better if you have a horse you can lead into the pen. God wants us to submit to what the Holy Spirit is telling us because it is much better to be led. He will not force us. If, y'all probably know that already because we've probably all gone in this scenario of verse 17. We've probably all done things we knew we shouldn't do. <laughs> and he didn't drive us. But he leads us. Verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. We'll talk about these in a minute. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy. Oh, we're getting on into everybody's language right now, aren't we? Fits of rage, selfish ambition dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Well, the Bible just kind of deals with everything, doesn't it? 
And he says, we, we, can know, we know what the works of the flesh are. And y'all, that word just always jumps out at me because it will work you over. The works of the flesh, it's toil. In fact, the scripture says the wages of sin are death. Will work you over. It is work to sin. It really is. I am the me and Sharon are the only one that apparently have ever sinned and know that it is. Thank you, Sharon. Um, that it that it's the works of the flesh. It's the hard route. If it wasn't the hard route, God wouldn't have saved us from it. It's the hard route. It's it's the nature of man without the influence of God. It's the nature of man without the influence of God. It's what results is the works of the flesh. So hatred, I want every one of us to get to the place that when these thoughts or pressures come, that we recognize it for what it is. This, I'm, I'm not, we're not here to, to be a downer on this subject. I, want, I don't want us to be ignorant. And when hatred rises up in me, I want to go, wait a minute. He put a label on that because he wanted me to know what I was partaking of. If I partook of it, it is going to be a work of the flesh. And it is for death. It is not for life. And so hatred is huge in our society. It always has had an element. But right now, I'm telling you, you can't... You Politics is a bunch of hatred on both sides of the aisle. We cannot afford to be wrong in how we're right. And hatred has come up in our society. It means hostility, animosity, refusing to get along with somebody. And I'm not... God doesn't teach tolerance of sin. But what he does teach is respect. He, re- he teaches love. It doesn't mean that we bow to wrong morals or wrong pressures. It just means that we have to be right correctly. And hostility, animosity... If you can't talk about something without your face turning red and your words getting harsh and your voice getting loud, then you might need to examine yourself and say, is this working me over? If you can't watch the news, and sometimes I just look at Rusty and say, turn turn it off. Just turn it off. If we can't handle what they're saying, just turn it off. And it's not that you're ignoring what's going on, but we cannot afford for our blood pressure to go up. No, what do we do? We pray and we vote. Or we run for office. There are ways around this. And that's just, I picked on politics because it's so huge in our society right now. It's like this hatred between, and I realize that that's light and darkness, but, you know, I, I go back and I look at Jesus when he dealt with darkness. And, yes, he was very plain. 
and he addressed darkness. But I, don't, I do not see him losing his heart over it. The next one that's listed in the King James Version, these words came out of the King James Version, is variance. And it means mean-spirited. Yeah. Y'all, this made me think so much of 2 Timothy 3 where it talks about the, the attitudes and the characteristics of the end time in the last of the last days, the things that would be, the attitudes that would just really be on steroids, just, these made me think of that. We'll study that again at some time. I think we, we haven't done it in a couple of years. But variance means mean-spirited. It means so consumed with its own interest and ambitions that it would rather split and divide than give an inch. I don't even think I have to say anything on that. Do I? I mean, we've got to apply this where we live. Emulations means moved with envy, being resentful, being jealous. And I can get y'all, y'all can shoot a picture of this if you need to. I know you're trying to write them down, but if you need to come up and shoot a picture after a while, you can. Wrath, bowling with anger, unresolved issues, unresolved issues unresolved issues I don't know that one just hit me today unresolved issues underlying anger that means we cover it up pretty good while we're at church but boy the volcano can erupt at any time that's underlying anger the next one is strife I think this was one we all deal with that we all have to be very aware of because it's so we're in an environment right now in the world that is um, quickly angered quickly in a fight I mean you just you just I got tickled can I give this example let me think I think I can um if not I have the editor here (laughs) I can edit it out but Sheree Sheree handles our social media but we, we posted pictures of the new building, or the, the new renovations, and it made somebody angry because we didn't build a homeless shelter. Of course, what I wanted to do was, was text back and say, okay, the metal on the building was bare. We already had a door that was so rusted out the guys could poke a pin through it. You know, this was for the preservation of the, of the building, and we did it as frugally as we could and, and, you know, with paint instead of, re- you know, I wanted to come back. I wanted to defend us. And I thought, you know what? It wouldn't do any good. It, it wouldn't do any good. And, and so you can, you know, social media is a war zone. It's a strife zone. And it's like people just want to argue every point. And so that is the culture of society right now, but it, You know what God's saying? Not yours. So there's going to be times that we we say something, as Jesus did, if it's life-giving and it's meant to give life to somebody, but there's going to be a lot of times we keep our mouth shut. I I think you said it well the other day. If If it's not in our boundary, if it's, leave it alone. 
You, you, don't, you don't have to correct every person that walks on planet. It will work you over. It will wear you out. It will consume your mind. Your creative ability will be shut down because it is so busy and in somebody else's business that your business will not, your business will fail. Okie dokie. <laughs> Strife. Strife is self-seeking ambition. It's self-focused. It's bound to hurt and it's bound to offend. That's what it's for. Its purpose is to hurt. I got these definitions from Rick Renner, by the way, mainly. The next one is seditions, and, and we don't really use these words a lot, but it means to stand apart, to rebel and step away from someone to whom you should be loyal. It's disloyalty and it's defiance. It's being defiant to somebody that you should be loyal to. It's standing apart, stepping away from someone, being disloyal. The next one is heresies. This one was kind of interesting to me because it was a little different than what I, I thought. But it's division. It's, it's faction. It's uh, divisive, unauthorized groups. It's um, cliques. It's, it's looking for, it's the flesh gravitating to those in the flesh. You know, we find somebody that agrees with our wrong, and we unite with them. Instead of coming, allowing a brother or sister to come to me, or me going to a brother and sister and say, hey, I'm dealing with this, and letting them be a strength to me, it's looking for somebody who agrees with me in my wrong. And that's huge. It's huge because we'll never grow. We'll stay in it. These are the works of the flesh. Adultery. It's an obvious one. If you're married and you are with someone sexually that are intimately, make that play in case Bill Clinton's listening. Um, it is... It is desiring another. In fact, Jesus said, it's not just if you're with that woman, it's if you're wanting to be with her. Because Jesus goes to the heart. And he called it adultery. Well, I didn't sleep with her, but I, oh, let's back it up. Let's listen to Jesus here. He says, I see your heart. And you can call it what you want to, but if you don't stop those thoughts, hey, relax. The thoughts are not sin. It's the entertaining the thought that's sin. When those thoughts come, we get rid of those thoughts. That's not sin. Because the thought's going to come. There are attractive people in the world. There's going to be people that you feel an attraction to that you're not married to. What you do with that in your heart... If you grow that in your heart, or if you stop that in your heart, that's, that's where the difference is. So don't feel bad. I remember my dad saying this a gazillion times from the pulpit. Everybody has bad thoughts, and you need to know that. That's not a sin. It's entertaining thought, choosing to keep the thought, growing the thought, 
because then the thought becomes an imagination and then the imagination becomes an action. And so we stop it there. But adultery is listed as a work of the flesh, obviously. Fornication. This is an interesting word because, you know, typically we define it as sexual activity outside of marriage, like two people dating that are having sexual relationship. And that is true. It is that. But when you look up the word, the Greek word for it is porneia. Oh. Oh. This is huge. Because we think in the church that pornography is not having adultery or fornication because there's not that action with the person in the flesh, but Jesus is judging the heart. He's, he's dealing with the heart. Why? Because he doesn't want you active in a work of the flesh that will work you over. That's bringing death into your life. That'll bring death into your marriage. That'll bring death into your relationships. He's trying to save us from this. And and literally this word in the Greek means mental prostitution. Mm. I know. It is a huge sin in the church. I told y'all this was... I'll get through these pretty quick and we'll move on to the fruit of the Spirit. (sighs) Uncleanness. This is lewd or unclean thinking or actions. Just crude. Crudeness. Crudeness. It's taken us somewhere. We, we don't want that in our life. Lasciviousness is the next one. Lasciviousness is undisciplined, unbridled, wild, excessiveness. Anything that we move over into excessiveness that's not of God, that would be lasciviousness. And it's out to destroy us. The next one is idolatry. Mm. Uh, Yes, it's worshiping other gods, but let's bring it on down to Russellville, Arkansas tonight, okay? Probably none of you have a Buddha in your house that you're worshiping. But the definition, extreme devotion and service to something one worships other than God. Oh, now we can get golf and fishing in there. Oh, Rusty's fishing. Um, he's out of town fishing. I'm just messing with you. Idolatry, extreme devotion and service to something one worships other than God. That's idolatry. What are we putting above God? What are we putting above God? Because that is stealing from us. It's stealing life from us, and he doesn't want it in our lives. The next one's witchcraft, which is, most of y'all know this one. This is very interesting. Obviously, we know witchcraft, the occult type witchcraft, right? And that, that fits here. But the Greek word for witchcraft is where we get our word pharmacy. It's altering, it's mind-altering. Whether that's drugs mind-altering or occult mind-altering, anything that alters our mind could fit here. It, in the Greek, it brings up medication. 
drug, mind-altering. The, the Greek word is P-H-A-R-M-A-K-E-I-A. Don't ask me to pronounce it. I don't speak Greek, but it's where we get our word pharmacy from. And I'm not saying that doctor's medications are bad, okay? I'm not saying quit your medications. This is something that is out of control or that is mind-altering, that messes with your ability to think clearly. That's what that would be, whether it's witchcraft, seances, Ouija boards, or mind-altering drugs. Either way, it looks to me in the definition like that would fit. The next one is envying. It's when you want ill will, spite, and you desire to deprive another of what is theirs so you can have it. That's envy. You want to deprive somebody else of what's theirs, what they worked for, so that you can have it. Murder. I don't think I need to explain that one. Uh, means to slaughter or to slay. Drunkenness means intoxication, and that could be with a lot of different things. Uh, anything that intoxicates your mind. Reveling is the next one. Reveling is interesting because it's become a problem again in our society. Um, rioting, carousing, looking for trouble. So now when people get angry, they don't just get angry. They get destructive. And they're out looking for trouble and they're out looking to riot. And that would fit under that definition. So verse 21, after reading all of that, he says, I'll warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now that, you know, that gets a little scary sometimes because I've been jealous before. I mean, I can go down through here and I can, I can list some things that I've experienced before. I, I hope that I'm not alone in the room, but y'all don't have to raise your hand or anything. But, but, but this is what came to me. He says, those that live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What's an inheritance? Something given to you. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. In the Holy Ghost. So those who live under the works of the flesh will not inherit or be given the kingdom of God. Romans 14, 17 says, will not righteousness, peace, and joy. They will not inherit righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying that if you've ever done any of these things that you're not going to heaven. What I'm saying is righteousness, peace, and joy are going to be absent. They're going to be absent. There is no peace in any of those things. There is no righteousness in any of those things. There is no joy in any of those things. But when you move over into the Holy Ghost and you live according to the Holy Spirit and you're led by the Spirit like this chapter led us off in, then righteousness, peace, and joy 
are there. And that makes perfect sense because he goes on into uh, verse 22 of Galatians 5. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit. He doesn't say the works of the Spirit. You know there's a difference between fruit and works? Because fruit is developed. It's not worked for. It's developed. It's a product of something. He says the fruit of the Spirit, what walking in the Spirit, living by the Spirit, yielding to the Spirit will produce in you is love. If you walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh, then it will produce love. Any of you tried to love? Worked to love? Well, if you'll be led by your spirit, love will happen. It'll be produced. I'm tired of working for peace. You're working for peace. You're working for peace. Well, there's a way to get peace. And it's by not walking in the flesh, the things that the flesh wants to do. But when we're led by the spirit, peace is developed. That's what he's telling us. If, you, if you'll do what the Spirit tells you to do, peace will be developed. It'll be produced. Patience will be produced. Oh, I've worked so hard to be patient. Beat my head against the desk. Dealing with people or situations, you know, just literally scream in the hallway and beat my head on the desk. Working to be patient. Susan, be patient. Be patient. Well, get out of the flesh. That's how you get patient. Don't listen to the flesh. Don't be driven by the flesh. Be led by the Spirit. Pray. See what God tells you to do about the situation. And then patience is produced. All of a sudden, there it is. Not worked for, but produced. Kindness. These are the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I'm working hard to be kind. Quit walking in the flesh. Start listening to what the Spirit says to do, and it'll be produced. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You ever worked hard to have self-control? When the flesh is hollering loud, or the mind is hollering loud, then you need to stop and you need to say, Holy Spirit, I need your guidance. I need your help. It's one of the things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do. He said he would be our allos paracletos. He would be the one called alongside to help us. Just like I grabbed her hand a while ago. That he would walk through life with us and lead us. And when we yield to his leading, self-control is produced. It's produced. And our actions that we do when we're led by the Spirit, it will bring us to peace. It will bring us to patience, to kindness, to self-control. Once again, he says, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So when that list of bad things comes up in my mind and I, lay, I see the label on it for what it is, you know, you know what you can tell it? I nailed you to the cross. 
You were crucified with Christ. I was crucified with Christ. That died when he died. But we have to, I have talked to myself. I don't know about y'all, but I have to talk to myself. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If we're going to live in that atmosphere, that sphere of the Spirit, then we've got to take our steps by the Spirit. It's our daily life. It's the Holy Spirit in our daily life. In fact, one of the versions says, let it be our course of action. What the Spirit says, let it be our course of action, and it'll change our atmosphere. Verse 26 says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. He's dealing with our hearts. He's dealing with things that are coming up in our lives, and he's saying, look, the Holy Spirit is here to help you with this. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Because I love his word and his word directs me, but Holy Spirit helps me do his word. And that's, he's our comforter when we need comforted. And, and, and he's our teacher when we need taught how to do it. And he walks us through it. Any, anything that we need help walking through, Holy Spirit's there. How do you access that? Invite him. Yield to him. And by all means, when he gives you direction, be obedient. For most of us, that's where we've missed it. Because we've known what to do, and we did what one of the other two parts wanted to do. Instead of doing what we knew. It's not that we don't hear God. Most of the time, it's that we just don't do what we heard him say to do. Man, I'm glad I'm preaching to myself tonight. Me and Sharon... Me and Sharon. And it, he's not hard on us. He's a guide. He calls him the comforter. The comforter. The teacher. What's harsh about that? There's not. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We need him taking us by the hand, leading us into things Everything we want is listed in the fruit of the Spirit. Absolutely everything that our hearts desire is listed in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. Isn't that what we all want? We've been going about it the wrong way. We start listening to him, we start doing what he says, and it's produced. We didn't even work for it. And it sure won't kill us getting it. Some of that other stuff's pretty rough on us. Pretty rough on us.